Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of thevikingage.com. My name is Chris Shad. I am a contributor for the Viking Age as well as Bring Me the News, Zone Coverage, and the Brookings Register. We do this every Monday and Thursday night right here at 6.15 p.m. Central Time right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. But if you miss us, we're in podcast form the very next day on Apple and Spotify. And however you consume us, of course, don't forget to rate, comment, like, and subscribe so you can spread the word and never miss a new episode. Per usual, we have a guest for our late week show. You can see him on the screen already, so we will waste no time bringing him in. You can listen to him all over the Locked On Minnesota podcast network. He is a man of many hats, a producer, a host, and Vikings insider, most importantly, an OG guest of my old Homer Horn podcast. So if you listen to that, you'll know who this man is. His name is Sam Ekstrom. What's going on, Sam? Well, I realize I'm being rude to those watching on YouTube. I've got the hat for branding purposes, the locked on hat, but I've got shadows on my face. So if you'll indulge me here, I can turn on the lights and that people can actually see. How'd that, how'd that go? I think that, everyone loved seeing the uh, the shot there. Uh, this is also my dog over my shoulder. That's Captain licking himself. So we got a lot going on here. We're gradually getting into like YouTube form. Like when you first logged mm-hmm. on, it was just the SE and the mm-hmm. thing. Like, oh, we're going on YouTube, and then you know, then then we got the light. Now we got the dog. You know, every everything is mm-hmm. starting to come together for you. I like it. Yeah, it's good to be back though. This. Uh, this has always been one of my favorites to come on, Chris. So uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, and, and like I was saying off of air, we really have you at a good time because TJ Hawkinson, uh, if this were a rap song, he'd be like, my ear, my back, I want a new contract. Actually, that oh, would be good. a sweet, that would be a sweet strike strike chant, honestly. Hawkinson strikes it. me more as a country singer, though, with, with the hair and just the, the personality. So can you put that to a country twang? I don't know. Not on. I, I think that's Matthew Collar's wheelhouse. Not to like put we, you on the spot. Yeah. If if we had, uh, you know, my wife left me and my back hurts and I bought all these $16 beers at the Wild Game and now uh, I'm broke and need a new contract, something like that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, TJ Hawkinson, oh, shortly after I got off the podcast on Monday, 
There's a clip of TJ making the rounds on social media. He was asked about his ear infection, his new contract, how negotiations were going for that. And he basically vowed that he would be out there on September 10th against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Dud Zolgad tried to get a little more information out of him, did not uh, really succeed. And then the news dropped today, Kevin O'Connell saying, well, yeah, now his back hurts. So the ear infection apparently good the back is starting to uh you know hurt a little bit and uh according to diana russini who hit twitter a little bit this afternoon uh tj hawkinson wants to reset the tight end market with a deal that is in an excess of 17 million dollars a year so i'm just going to ask you a very simple question to start how worried should we be about this TJ Hawkinson thing? Because it feels like it's starting to get ugly. I think you should be worried if you want TJ Hawkinson on this team long-term. I believe TJ when he says he's focused on September 10th. I believe him when he says he wants to be ready for the regular season. But I, I have been a skeptic really this whole time uh, with this thing. And... I kind of think there's something more to it than an ear infection and a back injury. Um, it's hard to question, you know, unless you look down the guy's ear canal, whether he actually had that ear infection, maybe there's an ounce of truth to it. Maybe it didn't actually last three weeks. Uh, but then for the back issue to pop up as well, it's very, very interesting, very coincidental. Um, and if, if we think we know Quasi Adolfo Mensa, he's allergic to giving out long-term deals. And there's really nothing against TJ Hawkinson's case, right? He's young. He's 26. He's productive. He's not super injury prone. He fits like a glove in this offense. He plays a position that is, you know, fairly, it's fairly rare to have a high end tight end in this league. There aren't like, they don't grow on trees. Right. So in his mind, he's saying, why wouldn't you sign me? Like there's, there's no, there's nothing that you can argue that's going to make sense because I Dallas, Dallas Goddard got paid $14 million a year plus, And he didn't have a thousand yard season on his ledger. Um, TJ Hawkinson doesn't either, but he was also the second most productive tight end last year in yards. He was the fourth most productive tight end in yards two years ago. I mean, he's got some good stuff on that resume. Now, if it's a matter of 17 versus 14 over four years or five years, maybe they can come to, to an agreement there. But we've never seen Quazy give out a deal longer than three years, right? And, and that was Garrett Bradbury for $15 yeah. million, rip it up after one year, right? We've never seen him make a real commitment. He's got commitment issues, Chris. Um, so they might be a long ways away on this contract. If Quazy's offering 2 and 14 and TJ wants five years, $17 million per – uh, we might have a problem on our hands, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Cole Komet, who also signed a contract. Never had a 1,000-yard season either, but he got a four-year, $50 million extension with the Bears with $32 million guaranteed. So I'm trying to think of math. It's over 10. I don't think that's quite 15. Is that 12.5 million a year? I don't know. It's it's somewhere in that ballpark, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's just reinf yeah, it's reinforcing what you were saying about these tight ends the market is starting to go up. It's starting to catch up with wide receivers. And especially in the case of receivers who catch passes like Travis Kelsey, he admitted he's underpaid, but he also likes winning with the Kansas city chiefs. So he he's not exactly, you know, 
it's not number one on his radar. Uh, George Kittle, of course, had the even better quote where he said, I could give two shits about my contract, but both of those guys are going to get massive amounts of money. Um, I guess the thing that kind of irks me about this whole thing is like, you know, you mentioned it. Quasi seems allergic to giving long-term contracts. He wants that flexibility, right? That's probably why we didn't see Kirk Cousins get an extension. That's probably why we're waiting on Justin Jefferson right now, who might actually be waiting on Nick Bosa to sign his deal because uh, he's going to want to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. But I I mean, it, it just seems odd that the Vikings didn't say, okay, 26 years old, this guy's a staple of our offense. Let's lock him in build our foundations and let's get moving. Like, it just seems like there's a holdup in this whole plan. Like, what do you think is the biggest holdup here? Is it money? Is it term? Is it like, where do you think the line is being drawn here? Yeah. I think that Quazy is such a, uh, wall street guy that he buys the dip, right? He sees undervalued commodities like Marcus Davenport and, Zedarius Smith, Dean Lowry, and he buys them up. He buys the dip. He also sees commodities that are potentially overvalued and is hesitant to buy too high. So you look at Daniil Hunter. He improved his stock last year. He had a healthy, productive 17-game season. Kirk Cousins won 13 games, eight fourth-quarter comebacks. He improved his stock. They've been hesitant to negotiate. Uh, Justin Jefferson, of course, improved his stock greatest wide receiver for the first three years in any of any wide receiver in NFL history. Uh, his value is at an all-time high. And TJ Hawkinson had his best year, arguably, as a tight end. And for all the reasons I mentioned, his stock is up. Quazy doesn't like to negotiate when the stock is at an all-time high. Um, and I, I think that's probably what's playing into it. I think that TJ Hawkinson probably sees himself as a market-setting tight end right now. Probably wants Darren Waller money. Um, I think you can make an argument that he hasn't done enough productivity-wise to merit that yet. Now, it is a little muddied because a lot of TJ Hawkinson's time has been with Detroit, right? Three and a half years, and then half a year in Minnesota. So if he's pointing to, well, look what I did in the half year here, that is kind of a tough case for him to make. Um, but I do think the term could be an issue, too, for Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Um, I don't think that he's ever going to be in the business of giving out five-year deals, especially with large guaranteed sums. Uh, Quasi thinks in two-year increments, right? He's gone out on the record and said, we don't know what's going to happen in three years down the road. We don't know what's going to happen to, you know, player arcs or their health or their, their productivity. Look at Daniil Hunter in like 2019. He would have commanded $20 million per year if he'd signed that at that time. And then look what happened to him. Injury, injury. And he was just he's battling now every year just to get a contract. So I uh I think Quazy is probably this might be the future. He we're we're probably going to encounter a lot of these situations where Quazy is hesitant to reward a star, even if they seem deserving. And and that's the opposite of what we saw in the previous regime, where it was like, as soon as you outperformed your contract, you got a new one. They would just rip it up with the exception of Dio Hunter, who seems like he's been trying to get more money the second he signed his uh, contract extension. But is there a point where if you're the Vikings, you go ahead and you just say, you know, screw this, this isn't going to get done. Let's trade TJ Hawkinson and try and recoup some of that value because they gave up a second round pick. 
I believe they gave up. I, I can't remember what the pick was, but I mean, they gave up a lot of draft cop capital to bring him in. And now they're going to have egg on their face if they can't come to a contract extension. Yeah, it was a third in the next draft. It was a two and a three. Yeah. Um, so that's it, a hefty price to pay. And yes, if you let him walk, you recoup probably a third round compensatory in the following draft. Does not quite equal out. Um, maybe they, in the back of their mind, think that they can tag him. But what have we learned in the NFL? If you're trying to tag a legitimate star, bad things happen. Holdouts happen. Tension rises. Um, it, it gets messy. And maybe Quasi thinks they can secure him this year. They can tag him. They can secure him next year. And there's your two-year window that Quasi likes to operate in. Would they trade him? I think it would be silly. I mean, I yeah. think it would be – I think it it just doesn't make sense if you're trying to be competitive because what are you banking on? Not your defense. If you're really banking on Brian Flores' impact being the difference maker and turning you into a top-10 defense, it's not going to happen. Well, your money you mentioned- Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and you mentioned the dips, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, their values at an all time high right now. If TJ Hawkinson, let's say, I think he was on pace for like 900 yards. If he was with the Vikings for a full season. So let's say he gets like 750, his value doesn't go down. I, I mean, he's still going to score touchdowns. He's still going to be a security blanket for Kirk cousins. It's still, it might even be more by the time next year because George Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey might get new deals. Look at Justin Jefferson. Like, I, I mean, the, the odds of him increasing last year's yardage total. And we said this last year are pretty slim, but if he still winds up getting, I don't know, 1600 yards, like he's still going to want top receiver money because that's still elite receiver production. I I just think that I I don't want to say like he's scared or like frozen in fear or anything, but it's almost, you said it perfectly. He's afraid of commitment right now. And with this competitive rebuild, it's all about, okay, we got to win our nine games and, you know, build for the future and everything else. It's like, it's all been kind of present and there's been very few moves towards the future. Yeah, you're right. And I think that in the present, their ticket to winning games is having an awesome offense, a kick butt offense where you've got Addison, Osborne, Jefferson. Running back room might not be quite as as fearsome without Dalvin Cook. So, you know, we'll we'll table that. But the tight end room is great. Josh Oliver, I think, is gonna probably have his finest year as an offensive player. TJ Hawkinson is a top five to ten tight end in the league. And hey, they love Johnny Munt too. You've got pass catchers galore, and that's your way to win the division. It's not your defense. It's your offense. And TJ Hawkinson was a huge part of that last year. And there's probably an argument to be made that he's your number two pass catcher. This will be a trend throughout the show, but what's your prediction? Do the Vikings sign TJ Hawkinson to a contract extension before the start of the regular season? Uh, yes, I think they do. I think they do. What's it going to be? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking mid mid-level like three-year deal um but i think it'll be at a sum that keeps hawkinson's camp happy i'm guessing 15.5 million i think that's that's gonna be the wave of the future with nfl contracts because i mean you know i think back when we were kids we would see like the seven-year deal all the time right and just have the funny money on the back end 
I think agents are kind of wising up to that as our players. I mean, Kirk Cousins won't sign anything past like a two-year deal where he might want a three-year deal. We don't, we don't know that for sure, but you know, DK Metcalf, he signed a three-year deal. Um, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks that may have signed just short-term deals just to lower. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he renegotiated his deal to a two-year deal. Like I think short-term deals are going to be more of the norm and, Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe Hawkinson's camp wants something a little more long-term with more security and the Vikings want something a little more shorter term. I, I just think that that's the way that most teams are going right now. Yeah. Sh- short term could benefit both parties. It would be less of a commitment for Quazy and his commitment issues, but also if it's a three-year deal in theory, Hawkinson could cash in again when he's 30. I think the tight end, can can last a little longer. Their shelf life is pretty decent in the NFL. He could sign another big deal at age 30, especially if he stays productive up until then. And then uh, the salary cap's going to be, what, $8 billion in three years probably <laughs> because they've got all this Amazon money and they've got these TV deals that are so lucrative. So the cap is only going to go up and up and up, and, and agents and players recognize this. And that could play into the Justin Jefferson deal as well. You know, we're all talking about, Five years, you know, uh, 175 million could be three years. Yeah. Uh, as someone who dropped the money on NFL Sunday ticket, I can definitely confirm uh, they're making a lot of money to make that salary cap go up in the next couple of years. But uh, that will be interesting to follow with uh, TJ Hawkinson. Another interesting storyline that just will not die is that Trey Lance is available again. The 49ers named Sam Darnold their backup quarterback behind Brock Purdy. And that's interesting because Trey Lance was the third overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport theorized, did his little windy fingers or whatever, that the Vikings could come calling for Lance to make a deal. Nick Mullins and Jared Hall, been okay this preseason. But my question for you, should the Vikings make a call about acquiring trade Lance. Yeah, why not? His value can't be any lower. He was just named the third string quarterback behind Brock Purdy, who's played six games and Sam Darnold, who was a flame out with his last team. I mean, you can't get any lower from a value standpoint. This might work out great for the Vikings because word is, is that they tried to negotiate this in the off season. That was one of the reports. Um, I think it was Rossini. I think Rossini was all over the Vikings beat today. So if they tried to negotiate in the offseason, I'm sure the price tag was higher then than it will be now. And if this Kirk thing is not going to come together, and I, I think the betting money would be that it doesn't, uh, you would like to have a Trey Lance in your building. What's the risk? Going into his fourth year on a rookie contract, I'm guessing so the fifth-year option at this point would they won't have decided yet. That would be the Vikings' decision. They can probably pick that up if they want. I don't know. Um, and then you can, you know, kind of do the experiment thing. You can have him compete with Jaron Hall, see who's better, kind of what the Titans are doing. They've got Levis and Malik Willis and a veteran stopgap. Maybe that's what the future holds for the Vikings. But I see nothing wrong with trying to get a, a former top five pick at the lowest possible value. The Minnesota connection is fun and marketable. Uh, it's not everything, but it's cool. And I actually think Trey Lance has a lot of talent. Like I watched him in joint practices last year. He's got a cannon. I mean, certainly you can develop that and, and Hey, maybe he's a bust, but you know what? 
it's this is a really cheap way to acquire a uh, a former top five pick. So I'm I'm actually all for it. You can easily move on. It's not like you're paying him, uh, you know, top quarterback salary. So shouldn't be a big deal if they do it. I think this is a deal they should make if the price isn't astronomical. Like you said, it should be lower now. Everybody knows that Kyle Shanahan, he just wasn't a fit there, I think. And and I'm starting to wonder if Shanahan had any input at all on that third overall pick because we look at the quarterbacks that Shanahan has had success with. You know, they're the Kirk Cousins style where they're kind of the statuesque pocket quarterback with a little bit of athleticism to kind of wiggle out of things. But, you know, Kirk Cousins... Then you have, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was a disciple of Kyle Shanahan. You had, uh, now you have Brock Purdy. Now you have Sam Darnold. Trey Lance is a different animal. He's not as accurate as those guys. He's got a cannon of an arm, but he doesn't really know where he's going. And he's an athletic freak that can run with the football. I'm wondering, like, it, it just seemed like Trey Lance didn't get a fair shake in San Francisco to me because Shanahan wanted his guy. And, you know, when you look at Trey Lance's starts, there are a couple of starts in injury relief. Maybe he wasn't ready his rookie year, and that's understandable because I think he's only played in like 12 football games since high school or some ridiculous number like that. And then his first start last year was in a monsoon. His second start, he breaks his leg and he's out for the season. I mean, that guy needs to get on a football field. And if you get him under the tutelage of Kevin O'Connell, I would be willing to take a bet because the other thing that this does, it gives you a security net because right now going into the off season, Kirk cousins is an under contract. And if you decide, Hey, we want to move on from Kirk cousins. If you have Trey Lance on your roster, you could do something like the green Bay Packers did where you don't really know if he's going to be good or not, but you can sign him to that one year extension. Or I think it was either one or two years, but they did that instead of exercising the 50 year option. And that way, you know, you don't run into a Daniel Jones situation where he blows up and you have to pay him $40 million all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a good way to do it. It's just a matter of whether the 49ers want to, you know, have egg on their face. Yeah, and I suspect the price to get Trey Lance would be some kind of pick exchange, something involving mid-round picks. Maybe the Vikings toss in a, a backup player to give the 49ers depth. I mean, I think the price is super low. Honestly, I do. Um, But, you know, if you're going to use the argument that, well, you're acquiring someone who was named a third-string quarterback behind Sam Darnold and, um, you know, Brock Purdy, he was also named the starter over Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy last year. So, like, at one point, he was entrusted with that franchise, and then you can't fault him for what happened with Brock Purdy. I mean, no one could have anticipated that Mr. Irrelevant was going to be this legacy who went undefeated and led the 49ers into the playoffs and might've won a Super Bowl If he doesn't get hurt in that game, that's not Trey Lance's fault. Trey Lance has, you know, run into some just difficult circumstances right now. Um, the problem is, and it is a legitimate concern is just the, the lack of reps, right? The, the, the years are building up. We're going on what, five years now where you can, you know, he's thrown like equivalent passes to one year of an NFL quarterback. It's, it's bad. It's bad. So you, you do have a bit of an uphill climb, but again, I, I, I think there, there's nothing wrong 
with acquiring multiple options at quarterback. Rick Spielman was just committed to this idea of you can only have one guy and you can't threaten him with anyone else. Why can't you have a competition there? Why can't you just, you know, shoot a few darts and try to make it happen? You know, so I'm 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 actually all for it. I'm pro Trey Lance. I don't think it's going to be a big price tag. Obviously, if it is, then you have second thoughts. But hey, what did we just say about Quasi? Buy the dip. This is the dip. This is the Trey Lance dip. So he might want to get in on this. So I'm looking at Trey Lance's college and pro stats right now. 2018 was his freshman season. He played in two games at North Dakota State, probably in mop-up duty. Uh, 2019, he played in 16 games. So that's 18 if we're counting at home. Uh, that was the national championship season. 2020, the FCS season gets wiped out due to, or postponed rather due to COVID-19. He plays in one exhibition game. So in his college career, he's got 19 games. Flip over to the pros. He played in six games in his rookie season in 2021. So that'd be 25 games. And then he played in two games last year. So he's played 27 games since coming out of high school. And I know a lot of people, I, I actually saw a meme by Eric Thompson and I'm not singling him out. I mean, I think there's a lot of Vikings fans who feel this way, but it's like the family guy uh, scene, you know, where he's got the mystery box and Peter Griffin says, Oh, well, a boat is a boat, but the box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Like that's how people feel about Kirk cousins. And I started thinking about this this morning because I bought, are, are you a big gamer, Sam? No, or, what's the opposite of big game? Really. What the opposite of big? Big. That's ah uh, very. You, you don't own anything. You've never picked up a PlayStation controller in your basically, life. Basically, basically, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, man, the Madden franchise as a gamer. I've heard of it. When I was a kid, yeah, that was the one game I was excited for every year. I would go and get it. I just mash the hell out of it, and it was awesome. Madden has become the Kirk Cousins of video games, which makes Kirk the Madden 24 of quarterbacks right now. And, and people like yourself may not know what this means, but, I'll, but I'll, I'll throw it down for you. I bought the game last week out of curiosity, and there are some positives and there are some negatives. People love it, but some people hate it because they have these X factors that turn everyone into superheroes and force you to smash your controller uh, not that I would ever do that, but I mean, we're, we're just kind of going down the rabbit hole here. Mm -hmm. uh, it also takes like three hours to sim a season because the user, user interface is trash, but I'm not going to go on a big like rant about the game right now. I believe that people don't actually like Madden. They just play it because it's what available. And everybody looks at the old alternatives as like better. Like, yeah, this is fun, but NCAA 14 has better gameplay. Sure, it's great, but NFL 2K5 has a better franchise mode. With Kirk, you could say the same thing. Like Quasey said it himself, he's good, but he's not as great as Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Uh, he's, you know, he makes Case Keenum look like Case Keenum, where like Christian Ponder made Case Keenum look like Brett Favre. Uh, you could say other similar things, like Kirk O'Chains was awesome, but 2017 Case Keenum, that was a fun ride. Kirk is good, but remember 2009 Brett Favre? Or, you know, people lose their minds every time Dante Culpepper is brought up as one of the greatest quarterbacks in franchise history because Kirk Cousins is fine. You know, your alternative here is the same with Madden. You can go back to an old favorite that might be a little bit outdated. In this case, it would be the next angry quarterback. Or you could wait for next year and hope that you find a suitable upgrade. 
like, like that's just kind of it. That's the whole Kirk Cousins conundrum. And when somebody like Lance gets mentioned that we don't know, we don't have that security blanket behind him. That's where I think management gets nervous. And I think that's where fans get nervous when they think about the possibility of acquiring Trey Lance. Did, did all that make sense? Or do, do we got to hit the yeah, sticks? No, I, I mean, I, I do see people complain about the new Madden games a lot and how the old games were better. I do. Uh, I remember playing NFL Blitz when I was a young man, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, that was elite. That, yes. Yeah, too much hitting, though, for, for today's day and age. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Vikings fans, Kirk apologists, God bless you. Um, and I, I've been, I was very supportive of Kirk last year and even recommended that he get a one-year extension, uh, but you got to let go of the reins at some point, right? All these teams in the AFC that are now thriving all had to do this. They all had to say, screw it. We're moving on from you, Philip Rivers. We're moving on from you, Andy Dalton. Those were the boats. And they went for the mystery boxes, and it worked out great for them. And there are examples where it doesn't work, but you won't know unless you try. Um, and if the Vikings and if the Vikings go that route, you get the money. You can build your yes. roster. You can have some flexibility. You don't have to nickel and dime and worry about giving out these big contracts uh, and constant. You don't have to stare TJ Hawkinson into oblivion over a, you know, three year deal or whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I mean, yeah, they- it's uh, it, it's, it really, it could be a liberating situation if you just embrace it. Um, and if you make a mistake, I mean, and this is, comes down to Quasi's decision-making, but I think he's the kind of GM that would recognize if, if it seems to be a mistake, you can move on quickly and try again. And that's why it doesn't hurt to have a couple options, even if they are both mystery box options next year. And that, that is, again, if you don't extend Kirk, which at this point I think is more unlikely than likely. What do you think happens here? Do you think the Vikings unite with Trey Lance or do you think, uh, you know, the 49ers just hold their breath and stop their feet a little bit yeah. longer after all this conversation we've had about, about this issue, I kind of feel like the Vikings have been flirtatious with a lot of bigger names and nothing's come of it. Dalton Reisner, Kareem hunt. Nah, mm-hmm. nah, we'll pass. And I wonder if the same thing happens here that like, if this was all kind of a charade, it was, there was buzz because, the Vikings and 49ers have been seemingly linked for years about a quarterback trade. And uh, it could easily be someone who under, you know, undercuts with a uh, bigger, sweeter deal. They offer a higher pick and Quazy might really dig his heels in. He's got his scruples. He doesn't want to overpay to buy the dip. Right. So uh, I, I actually kind of think they don't actually make the deal, but I am supportive of them trying. I do wonder what the 49ers are doing because they have such a good roster right now. And I mean, Purdy's looked okay during the preseason. I mean, hopefully that elbow holds up and he doesn't have any other setbacks, but I mean, if he goes down and you're throwing Sam Darnold in there, I mean, I, I don't know. I I know Kyle Shanahan's an offensive guru. We're told about that all the time, but I mean, if that doesn't work, they, they might burn another year of that great group because uh, Nick Bosa wants his money. And uh, he's not going to hit the field until he gets it. 
After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The final topic that we will discuss today is that we finally got to the end of the preseason. Uh, the Vikings have hosted two joint practices with the Arizona Cardinals this week. They will play a game on Saturday to conclude the preseason. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said no starters are going to play in the game, and Wes Phillips might just give KOC, or uh, excuse me, KOC might just give uh, Wes Phillips the play calling duties so that he can have the night off or do whatever he wants to do on the sidelines. Um, what do you think about the Vikings plan to not get the starters any work during this preseason? Yeah, it's, it's super boring, you know, to, to observe it's made August a little bit of a drudgery because I mean, they're, they're going into these games without a fullback, which is kind of a key piece to their offense. And obviously the, the wide receiving core, the offensive line can't protect and the quarterbacks can't do anything. It is, it's frustrating to watch when you know their potential and how little of it they're showing. Um, and I think they built a little equity with this approach last year. Uh, the Rams built equity with this approach. The Packers, you know, adopted this approach. And it seems to work okay, so you can't get too upset. This is more about giving guys who otherwise wouldn't have a chance to play those reps, and maybe that's more valuable for their development and figuring out who your bubble guys are going to be that make this roster. Um, but it does make for a far less compelling preseason. If you watch highlights, Chris, from like the 2000s, um, man, teams cared. Teams cared. Baltimore Ravens, they still care. They won 24 preseason games in a row. Not everyone is, is doing this. Um, but I think they are very content getting these physical joint practices in four days total between the Cardinals and the Titans where they do a lot of 11 on 11s. Kirk Cousins gets a lot of volume. All the top players are out there. The only difference is they're not tackling to the ground. I think that's probably worse for the defense. And as we've seen, they've had their, their share of tackling issues and giving up 280 yards on the ground. That's not great. I can't imagine that's a big, you know, Brian Flores is a big fan of that. Um, and that's going to be the mystery, right? It's the, the group that's already, the red flag is the group that's not maybe getting those key reps. So I worry about that a little bit. I don't worry about the offense. I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing right now is just, there's a lot of guys that I'm not really sure are going to make the team. I mean, there's a lot of, 
I, I don't know. I, I was going to say there's a lot of depth at some positions like wide receiver. I think there's a lot of options there. And I think the Vikings have done a good job stockpiling offensive line. Not at all. If any of those guys goes down during the regular season, I think the Vikings are screwed, especially after watching Ole Udo uh, on Saturday against the Titans. And then you also have the, uh, you know, the defense in general, just the second stringers. Like, what do you think of a guy like Lewis seen? who is getting extensive action in the preseason right now. And I mean, he's missing tackles, but he's in position to make some plays. Like where are the Vikings on him? Because as a first round pick, he's going to be an important part of this whole competitive rebuild. Yeah. Scene might be the most polarizing player in all of camp right now. Uh, They've mixed up his positions. He's been, you know, free safety for a while. Then they kind of moved him up in the box. He has been buried since minicamp i mean from from the get-go josh metellus was in this new role they clearly were convicted about that and and put metellus up in the pecking order so scene has been the safety for this entire time then you've got theo jackson playing really well and almost usurping scene but scene will flash with these unbelievable feats of athleticism in the first week of camp he made one of the most unbelievable interceptions you have ever seen when he crashed from deep safety all the way to the sideline in a flash diving interception, people went crazy. And we've seen that explosion in the games, right? He's getting in position. He's getting in position in these run fits. He's covering ground. Uh, I think he could be a force in the run game if he could tackle a little more. That, to me, seems coachable. If you can just coach him up a little bit or maybe just get him more reps to where he can be more comfortable doing that, I think that there's a lot to work with there. Uh, It just so happens that you have a really deep safety room, and it might not be a knock-on scene. It might be more of a compliment to Josh Metellus and the effort he's put in for three years to get to this point. Harrison Smith, obviously, and Cam Bynum is solid and probably under-discussed. But Lewis Seen will have his moment. I mean, Josh Metellus is a free agent. Harrison Smith might retire. There there will be opportunities down the road, and I think Lewis Seen is – he's absolutely the athlete that we hoped he would be. He's just got to refine it. Is there any other spot on the team right now that you feel is still up for grabs heading into this game against Arizona on Saturday? I think there's spots everywhere up for grabs. I mean, I think that first of all, it comes right. There's no template. So are they going to keep wide receiver six? I think that spot is up for grabs. I think that Tristan Jackson's made a really strong case. Um, you know, Jay Ward, is he going to make the team as a fourth round pick? I, that, again, that deep safety room could be problematic for someone like Jay Ward. The defensive line is a complete cluster. I don't know. I can't discern between Jaqueline Roy, Asezi Otomewo, uh, TJ Smith. I think they're all kind of on that same level. Uh, so I think there's actually a lot of bubble spots up for grabs. I think you could go position by position. Uh, there's probably half a dozen positions where I'm conflicted about, you know, who's going to claim that final spot and then how many they're going to keep. It's going to be a very fascinating cutdown day. And remember last year, how much Quazy wheeled and dealed or dealt uh, with, you know, Armin Watts deal. And was that when they picked up Rager? Like there was, there was movement on that day. So we might see more of that and throw all of our 53 man projections in the trash because Quazy comes in at the last second and does something like that. Yeah, if this team is set 
and I mean, I, I, I do think there's going to be a trade or two. I, I honestly, that backfield, I think something needs to be done because if Alexander Madison goes down and history suggests that running backs will miss a game or two over the course of a season, like I don't trust Ty Chandler. Uh, everybody's talking about Kane Wangwu. He hasn't even seen the field. And when he's on the field, like he never, I mean, he never got carries over David Montgomery. He never got carries over Brees Hall. I understand their NFL running backs, but even like the last two years, it's like he never ascended to even a meaningful role on offense. So, I mean, if you're banking on those guys, I mean, you're, are you just going to sit there in like week 10 and be like, Oh, I guess we, guess we forgot about the backup running back position. Granted, they did draft Wayne McBride in the seventh round, but he just does not look ready. I mean, we all just can't be as Isaiah Pacheco out of college, which I, I mean, I, I know you haven't seen the show, but the bit is, you know, the Pope meme where, you know, he's holding up. Mm-hmm. That's basically NFL GMs with Isaiah Pacheco. That's just, oh, Isaiah, <laughs> look at him. Oh, so much value. Oh, like Dwayne McBride just doesn't know what he's doing yet. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's a seventh round rookie, but there's a reason he was still there in the seventh round. That being said, let's say that there's minimal moves made. They don't move the needle. Where, what are the Vikings expectations for this season? I think their internal expectations are to be competitive. I think if they were honest with themselves, I think they would say the Super Bowl is, is probably a long shot um, thing. Last year, that was their once in a blue moon run. You don't get that two years in a row. It, look at if you look at the quarterbacks all time that have had seven or more uh, fourth quarter comebacks in a season. Stafford, I think it was sixteen. Derek Carr in nineteen, and Drew Brees, I think in sixteen as well. They all had seven or eight. The next seasons, all of them dropped off the map to like zero comebacks, one comeback. Like it, the law of average regression is a very strong force. Um, the season is going to play out so differently, I think, than last year. Um, your only hope is that you can combat the forces of regression with a stellar offense that has a second year in the system and doesn't have those hiccups in quarters one through three and prevents needing to come back in the fourth quarter. Um, and I do think that's that's somewhat of a possibility but I don't think you're going to win 13 games. I think the Vikings should still be favored to win the division though. I just, I, I think that they have more going for them than Detroit. Um, and I, I, I just can't trust the lions until I see it. So I think the Vikings are favored to win the division. I don't think they're favorites to win the super bowl by any means. I wouldn't call them a contender. Um, but I think that 10 wins is kind of where I would fall right now. I think their best chance at success is channeling the early 2000s Vikings. And I'm talking 2003 and 2004 specifically. So those teams, I don't think the defense is that bad, but I think that the Vikings are going to need to score all the points they can handle because remember that offense. I mean, they had a backfield by committee. They had a great offensive line. They had Dante Culpepper at quarterback, which – I, I mean, even if you want to get in that Culpepper Cousins art, or argument, they're both quarterbacks that can put up their stats. And he also had one of the greatest receivers of all time, Randy Moss and Justin Jefferson. I think there's a lot of comparisons there. And I think this is going to have to be a year 
where the Vikings get aggressive. Can Kirk do that? I don't know. He did it for most of last year, but when the game was, when the year was on the line, fourth and eight at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Giants in the playoffs, he checked down to TJ Hawkinson. I think the Vikings need to get their foot on the gas and keep it down all season in order to make a run similar to what they did last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know what the ultimate irony is too, Chris? As bad, as atrocious as the defense was last year, think of how many games they secured with a late clutch play by the defense. And that, I think, was unsustainable. As unsustainable as the offensive play was in the fourth quarter, one of the best like in NFL history when they got to the fourth quarter. The defense recovered a fumble in the end zone against Buffalo. They intercepted a pass in the end zone against the Jets. Uh, they stripped, uh, I think it was Waddle in Miami. They intercepted Kyle yeah. Kyler Murray against Arizona. And I'm probably forgetting a couple others. That kind of clutchness on defense is going to be hard to duplicate. So even if the offense... Uh, is as clutch as it was the defense may not be as clutch as it was and you might lose some of those back and forth battles in the final two minutes so there's there's a lot that can go opposite of the way it was last year so you just got to be awesome on offense you got to score 30 points a game you got to beat teams by 20 you got to score early and often and uh, you can't have these you know the three and out thing was a huge problem field position was a problem last year you need to be better in those regards uh, last question for you. Are you fearing Baker Mayfield heading into week one? Because he was named uh, the starter, which I didn't even know there was a competition in Tampa Bay. So congrats, I guess. I, I don't know. You beat Kyle Trask. Throw a party. <laughs> um, yeah, congrats. You beat Kellen Mond. Let's, <laughs> let's all celebrate. So I think Baker cares a lot. Like, I think that he's super competitive and maybe his – status now as a journeyman will fuel him um crazy things happen in week one too so i'm not i'm not ruling anything out i mean there's there's good receivers over there there's a good interior line which scares me they've got a first round pick collage can that could wreak some havoc um but ultimately baker makes too many mistakes baker has thrown 64 interceptions in his career thus far um and he's only got one season over 500. That was Kevin Stefanski's first year as the Browns coach. He is a pretty consistently below 500 quarterback because he makes a lot of errors. He takes a lot of risks. So if Brian Flores can fluster him and force him into a couple picks, which is very possible, yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared of it. Um, famous last words, though, right? Pressure is going to be key, I think because the Bucks have the receivers to exploit this defense with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, Russell Gage, I believe is still on the team. There are receivers there and their running game might be a little bit underrated too, because I believe Rashad white uh, kind of took over at the end of last season, but it should be a winnable game. I'm not fearing Baker Mayfield, which isn't a slight. It's just, as you mentioned, he's an average to below average quarterback. And I think that should be the first step towards getting this season on the right foot. All right. So before I let you go, though, I got to ask what's going on with the Locked On Minnesota Podcast Network right now, because you're basically everywhere for them. So I'm just going to let you explain all the hats that you wear and people can take that information and do what they want with it. 
Well, thanks for the chance to give a plug. Um, yeah, I'm on the Ron Johnson show as the producer um, four days a week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then a roundtable on Friday. I'm also hosting the Minnesota football party where we talk pretty much Vikings every single day. Uh, and on Thursdays, Minnesota Sports Rankum. Myself and Luke Inman, we rank controversial issues in Minnesota sports. A lot of Vikings talk on there as well. So we're just having fun. Locked on Sports Minnesota. Subscribe, please. We'd appreciate that. Check out uh, check out the content. And uh, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the SiriusXM app as well. And where can people follow you on Twitter, uh, X, or social media? All the good stuff. Yeah. What do we – is it tweeting still or is it twixing? I think I prefer Twixing. Twixing. Um, that sounds delicious, actually, but go yeah, on. <laughs> I'll have some delicious uh, Twixes coming from joint practices at Sam Ekstrom, first and last name on X. Uh, joint practices tomorrow, Vikings and Cardinals take two. Well, Sam, thank you for coming on. As always, we'll talk to you again down the road, but that's all the time we have today on the Viking Age podcast. We do this every Monday and Thursday right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. We're also in podcast form on Apple and Spotify the very next day, but however you consume us, rate, like, comment, subscribe, do all those cool things so you can spread the word and never miss a new episode. For Sam Ekstrom, I am Chris Shad. We'll talk to you next time on the Viking Age podcast.